Welcome to the Nurses for Healthy Environments podcast. My name is Beth Shank, Healthcare Sustainability Leader in Missoula, Montana. On the podcast, I interview nurses working at the intersection of health and environment. Today, I'm speaking with Jacob Roberts, Deputy Chair of the Australian College of Nursing Community of Interest in Climate and Health. Jacob is very thoughtful about nursing and climate change, with inspiring ideas about why climate change is something nurses need to learn about and work to reduce. Our conversation includes his work in Hobart, Tasmania, sustainability in healthcare, working with nurses and students about public health and climate change. I'm really pleased to have Jacob Roberts on the podcast today. Jacob is from Australia, and he's going to tell us a bit about, first, his involvement in nursing. Jacob, how did you get to be a nurse, and and what is your current role? Yeah, good morning, Beth, and thanks for having me on your podcast. I've been a big fan for a while. Um, Love your work and and that Annie's doing. Um, So my background is I'm born and bred in Tasmania, so the small island to the south of mainland Australia. Um, famous for the Looney Tune, the Tassie Devil, and we've got a, a, um, an amazing range of beautiful natural landscapes here that we're well known for. Um, so, you know, I was sort of doing a bit of research before chatting to you around um, where you're from in Minnesota, and I think your your state size is about four times the size of Tasmania, just to sort of give listeners a bit of an idea of, of the size that we are. I think we kind of align with a West Virginia kind of state size. Mm. Um, there's only about 500,000 of us here. And fortunately, we have over 50% of the state that's either national park or world heritage area. Um, so we're extremely spoilt with the natural beauties um, and untouched wilderness that we have here with our beaches and temperate rainforests. Um, so I suppose growing up in that environment, um, always being outside in the water, surfing, climbing, um, hiking, you name it, essentially, um, I've always been passionate about the environment. Um, the natural beauty of Tasmania and Australia. Um, and so I think it was just a natural progression that as my um, knowledge and interest in nursing and education grew, that that would ultimately lead into um, environmental impacts um, like climate change and sustainability options going forward and trying to align my current roles as best I can into being more involved and engaged with that. So. Uh, Currently, I'm acting as a clinical nurse educator for the public health system here in Tasmania, um, liaising with all the educational providers for the undergraduate students um, and supporting them with their practical placements, um, our supporting staff models that um, can facilitate and precept their learnings, um, and also with the work that I'm doing in uh, for the Australian College of Nursing um, community of interest for climate and health. Uh, I'm the deputy chair uh, for that team. That's a bit of a mouthful, I know, um, that we're looking at trying to um, mandate to, in the curriculums that we have the focus on um, the um, health impacts of climate change, not just for nursing, but we're hoping to expand that into all um, undergraduate curriculums um, within the University of Tasmania to start with, but then through the role with the Australian College of Nursing, you know, we're hoping to be able to recommend to mandate that to all educational facilities. Um, so I'm kind of tangenting around a little bit, but I suppose um, my, my background with um, mental health nursing, uh, specialised in emergency and currently in hyperbaric as well, um, I see a range of um, consumers across multiple areas and I suppose now the more informed that I get around the impacts of climate change on health, 
is that I do recognise the mental health toll and the acute emergency tolls, um, plus the longer standing, you know, both direct and indirect impacts. So, yeah, um, that's probably a bit of a bit of a rant, but um, I, I feel like it's all coming together and linking in nicely, and I'm looking at expanding my studies um, going forwards um, in a more formal capacity around this regard regarding public health and health promotion, because a lot of it's been my own research and learning. Um, but as you guys are, and the listeners are probably aware, the more you learn, I think the more you want to um, and, and be more involved. Yeah, well, that's really interesting. So, so if you could think back to, you know, I really appreciate your background and your experience as a child and, and where you live. I really relate to that, that that influences so much of who you are as an adult and how you want to spend your time and your values. Um, uh, was there a time when um, it really clicked for you in nursing that you could combine that background and interest with your chosen profession? Yeah, uh, a great question. And I think it's always been in the back of my mind. And I've been sort of passively involved with different things. Um, and I was always, I can almost say to the day, um, almost nine months ago when my um, gorgeous son arrived, um, that that was a game changer. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, as most parents can attest, um, I think there's this um, inner instinct, you know, a biological response, uh, maybe an evolutionary response but my my primary focus was um his well-being and doing everything that i could to protect our family and, and my loved ones and i sort of saw as i i have control and i can influence his life in a positive way in the future so things that may directly and indirectly affect him now and in decades to come if i can have any positive impact on reducing any risks to him um, you know, my nieces and nephews, my family, my whole community, um, our species, um, you know, we can go as large with this as we like, um, you know, we're all humans and all in it together. But that was the human element for me was that that made it real and, and said, you know, I, if I'm in a nursing home in 50 or 60 years time, I want him to be proud of me. I want him to come and visit. <laughs> you know? And I, I, because we have this, we have the science, we have the evidence, we have the forecasts and, you know, it's easy for us to sit back, uh, sit here and look back and say, you know, even in um, the Australian setting, I'm quite ignorant, um, maybe happily of the American um, system and the politics over there. But we can look back and say, look, there were some maybe poor choices and priorities made in the past. But how can we influence things going forward? And if I can play a role in that, that's going to benefit myself, my community and my son, um, then that was, I think that that engaged the emotional response that I needed to really fast forward things. And I'm not saying you have to be a parent to do that. Um, we all we all have loved ones. We all know little ones. We, we know people of all ages, shapes and sizes. Um, but it's, and I think that's something that we need to harness in our message as with Annie and with um, the ACN and the other groups that I'm involved in, is that it's making that emotional link and connection to personalize it. So it's not just that, we are nurses or midwives or health professionals. Um, we're humans and we should all be valuing our environment and the world we live in and our health. I would argue lots lots of people in our communities maybe don't value their health. And, and I know in Australia and Tasmania, our health literacy is quite poor and quite low and a lot of our statistics aren't fantastic. Um, but I feel like it's as 
it's something that we all need to be more educated on and involved in. Um, but actually, you know, it's we have one planet that our environment affects the health of all of us. So um, I, I think that was, to go back to your original question, uh, that was certainly probably the defining moment for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said. So so then if we think about your, your current work as a nurse and you have experience in emergency and mental health, you said, but you're, do, you're an educator right now. So yeah. what, um, what is your experience so far with one um, student and faculty um, understanding of this, this issue of, you know, whether, whether, whether we address it as climate change or whether we think even more globally of planetary health or we think of specific environmental health issues, what is their, um, I guess, knowledge first and also attitude or willingness to learn? Does it make sense? Is it a hard sell? Tell me about how that is for you and the nurses you work with. Yeah, fantastic question. So I suppose in response to that, the students that I engage with, I think um, maybe generally of a younger cohort than the educators and, and the faculty, um, I think it's fair to say. Um, and I think their health literacy might actually often be higher than faculty in regards to um, planetary health. And so there is this willingness to engage and to learn. And I think a lot of the work that I want to continue to work on is engaging students. So not just when they come into the profession, but I see them within the profession as a student. And we can say, right, let's harness your energy, your ideas, your approaches. Um, When you enter the organisation that I work for or wherever you get allocated to and have your placements, um, if you have ideas that you want to contribute to that ward, to that service, to that hospital or organisation about sustainable practices, then we should be encouraging these guys to role model and lead and suggest these things. Um, so I think faculty um, are recognising the importance um, of educating around this. I think we've always addressed social determinants of health, um, not so much maybe the environmental impacts within that. Um, and I think also looking at expanding not just with nursing but also with our allied health colleagues uh, and our medical colleagues Um, you know for example it was brought up last week um, over here that with determining causes of death for example um, environmental factors aren't even considered a lot of the time so people might have um, an increased respiratory um, presentations during a, a dust storm um, or bushfires that we've been having, as you would have heard about, mm-hmm. but it's only the primary cause is factored rather than the secondary that was actually triggered or related to environmental factors. So I think, um, you know, the faculty is there. I think they need some encouragement and assistance, but I think they're recognising that the actual students are looking for this. You know, they're wanting this to be covered. Um, so I think that as part of my role as an educator, and I think as nurses, is that we need to be striving for this. We need to be looking to have this um, mandated within the curriculums um, because we see a lot of the um, school kids, uh, I think you call it secondary and elementary over there, we call it primary school here in Australia. They're leading these rallies down the streets. They're stopping traffic. They're knocking on the politicians' doors. Our um, five to 12-year-olds are more educated than than I was and that um, other generations are. And so why is that differing from a um, academic perspective when we're going to universities that we're having um, secondary and elementary 
um, age students more educated around these things or they don't have a platform to expand on that. Um, so yeah, I think um, I think that the potential is there and I think it, we just need to really keep reiterating the importance of it. Interesting. Uh, yes, and I certainly agree. And we, in the U.S., we know that we have a major gap in how much is covered in our nursing programs. In fact, a colleague of mine did a study recently. Um, it was a survey of faculty in the Northwest, so that's about, it was in three large states in the U.S. And <clears throat> uh, climate change content and also environmental stewardship in healthcare or healthcare or sustainable practices was covered in the nursing program 18% of the time. So that's that's you know that's less than a fifth of the time. So yeah. the wow. students weren't really coming out with um, awareness of this you know this this train that is coming at them. I mean this tsunami, yeah. and so uh, um, you know a lot of sorry. people feel like that's not right and that's not fair. And so I think it's changing. But gosh, I'm sure you have the same problem we do in terms of the curricula is so packed, and yeah. it's 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 hard to. Um, uh, add something else to faculty who are already beleaguered a little bit. Yeah, and, and what do you take out from yeah. that, you know, to replace it? But I think it's, you know, pretty widely accepted that it's the largest health issue that we're all facing. Mm -hmm. So I would argue that it is a priority. Um, and we, you know, we can align this with health promotion and also policy um, education. So actually, from a student level, engaging nurses um, that being involved in policy is an important and relevant role of the profession and start that at that level you know so i think there's scope for that because i see um, and we teach nurses that our role is to advocate and educate for our consumers and you know an example that i like to visualize is someone comes in with a respiratory condition you know an exacerbation of um, copd and we say smoking's bad for you we give you education and pamphlets and patches and nicotine replacement send you on your way, but we're not actually talking about the air quality that they're contributing to or that as a society we are. So we're happy to send them back out into the, the countryside where there's a raging bushfire, for example. Just, it's not, not the most well-explained ex example, but it's thinking about the environmental factors on maybe that acute presentation to the emergency department mm -hmm. or that secondary, you know, we use our engagements as nurses to say, actually, while I've got you here for this condition, can I talk to you about this? Or were you aware of this, that, and the other? Mm -hmm. So we're maximising that, that engagement opportunity to educate and advocate for them so they can develop their own health literacy. Yes, that's great. You, I was going to ask you what, um, do you use a particular framework or approach? And you hinted at it a little bit, that you bring in policy as an important element of health and health promotion, of course. But I'm wondering, um, you know, it's very complex to draw together all these different factors, mm. including, as you mentioned, the social determinants of health, but also the environmental determinants of health, m much of which overlaps. And, and then the notion of planetary health, which for some people I think is, uh, is a helpful framework. So I, I just wondered if you um, could, ex could describe your approach or some successes you've had in education. Yeah, another excellent question. I suppose um, I don't I don't really have a structured framework. I think it's depending on the individual or the group that I'm actually working with at that time. It's to I need to, as an educator adjust my my teachings and my approaches to their level of health literacy. So it's like any um, consumer or patient engagement that we would have, we need to adjust our approach 
so they respond. So um, there's a lot of personalities involved, as we know, with education. There's a lot of different teaching and learning styles. So I think without having a specific framework, the more um, methods and supports to address the different learning styles that I can apply um, is going to ultimately benefit the group or the individual. So we're looking at um, visual, audio, you know, um, different types um, of, of medias or, or platforms that they can engage with. And I think going back on what I touched on earlier is it's about making that personal, for me, that personal emotional connection to make it real for that person. Because I think there might be an attitude out there for some that it's too big an issue or I can't make a change or I can't influence anything, which I just completely disagree with. And I, and I would hope and think that, you know, yourself and many of the team would as well, is that as an individual, we can all strive for and make changes. And so I think... Um, without having the specific framework, what, I, what I'm passionate about is that collaboration. So I'm finding and always seeking out other people that share the same values and the same passions um, to share resources, to share ideas, to share successes and barriers and how they are overcome. And I think a great example was um, enjoying your podcast on the drawdown uh, recently and hearing the amazing ideas um, and influences from that team um, you know, I hadn't heard of the 50 by 40, for example. And so the more that um, I'm accessing and learning, the more I want to know. So the more resources I can put out there, I think, and share with people, uh, I think the better. You bet. That's great. And are you, are you finding other collaborators across Australia uh, who share this interest? I know uh, of the work of some of your leaders there in terms of climate and, and nursing and climate and health. But um, how, how does that go? I, I don't know how your university university system is structured and if your college, you know, if you have a lot of different colleges of nursing or if it's really a, a program across the nation. Yeah, so I suppose our Australian College of Nursing isn't, it is an educational um, body, but it's also a professional body to unify nurses from all educational providers. So, um Anyone from any university can be a, be a part and a member, either as a student or as a nurse or midwife. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our community of interest group uh, for climate and health is a sensational platform where anyone from anywhere within Australia can link in and share ideas and share resources um, and share their passions and stories. So, you know, we don't need to reinvent the wheels. If someone's got a great idea or found something that works really well, then that's great. We can use that and we can share that. Um, and it's a really good good platform as well to keep that motivation going, um, to remain optimistic, because I think sometimes, um, you know, personally, I can, the more I learn sometimes, it can be a little bit doom and gloom and I can get a bit anxious around some of the projections and some of the statistics. Um, but I, I try and remain, I think I get that optimism and that hope from um to sharing the energy and passion from from the guys in, involved in the group of the community of interest um, and, and similar groups that I'm involved in within my organisation because there's a lot of um, amazing um, energy out there and people are looking for platforms to divert that into. And so I really want to, and I think as nurses, um, we need to find locally, nationally, internationally, groups to collaborate with to, to direct that energy because there's a lot of passion 
but not a lot of action, I think mm-hmm. I said. Mm-hmm. And, and people are wanting that step up, you know, wanting that, that red carpet to say, leave me there and then I'll get involved, you know, do the groundwork, set up the platform and I'll, I'll get, a, get in with you. So um, I think it's all about reaching out and we're trying to promote the work that we're doing and share some of our results um, and findings and, and make it a place and a group that people want to be associated with. So unfortunately, with our um, changes this year that's influenced everyone in the world with the, um, the coronavirus, um, a lot of our recycling and sustainable initiatives within our organisation ha- actually had to be halted. And we, we've actually gone backwards a little bit with some of the work that we've done. Mm-hmm. So I think the successes will be measured in our response out of this, you know, that let's build some momentum now and then when our policies and procedures change when we can go back let's do it even better than we were let's get more people involved because i think this situation we've all dealt with has shown that we do have a responsibility to each other mm-hmm. you know social distancing staying at home um, our basic hygiene it's not necessarily about you but it's about your community it's about everyone and i think there's some really good lessons we can learn from this and being an optimist, you know, that's been pretty horrible all around, but there are some silver linings. And I think if this can make people use this time to reflect around, well, going forwards, what sort of world do we want to live in? We actually have a responsibility to each other. Um, then there's some really amazing organisations out there and initiatives to be involved in, in regards to sustainable um, practices and um, reducing climate change and our emissions. Yes. Well, I'm an optimist, too, and I, and I, I have a similar hope that, you know, just like this has given the planet a moment to take a breath, I hope that people um, all around the world, you know, it's, I mean, when you think about the number of people who actually have been ill, it's quite a very small percentage of the world, but when you think about the percentage of people who have been impacted, it's almost everyone, probably. Absolutely, and, yeah. And so hopefully, you know, I mean, I, I do have a similar hope that people can refresh, reframe, reset, and think again about um, what uh, matters and not get quite so caught up. However, we're, we're up against, you know, quite a challenge, and I think about that pretty much all the time because, like you, I'm very interested in a healthier future. Mm. I, I did want to follow up on, on something we, uh, that you said about that there's a lot of motivation but not so much action. And I find that too, and I find that actually in some of the research I've done, that when we measure it, there's a real big difference there, even amongst people who are quite uh, quite knowledgeable and quite aware, quite motivated. And so I'm really interested in what can be done to um, engage and spur action. And I just wanted to clarify. I hear two. I hear. I heard you. I think say you you do two different things, sort of. I'm sure you do many more than two, but a couple of different directions. One of which is um, policy and work in the community and um, helping patients understand some of these connections and and calling out environmental risks to health. And then I think I also heard you talk about sustainable practices. So do you mean that in healthcare settings, the latter? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I suppose part of that is we can and we should be educating um, ourselves, um, firstly, as a profession, um, individually and as a, and as a cohort. Um, but also, yeah, like um, within 
um, private residences around sustainable practices and composting and recycling. I feel like that we do have a role, but yeah, primarily um, within my professional capacity, it's around our organisational sustainable practices. So looking at our PVC recycling um, and our metal recycling, um, you know, having a larger space um, for people to be able to um, ride their bikes and have different forms of, um, you know, practical transport um, to safely store their bikes undercover, for example, because that was quite limited. And and also a lot of our, our road structures here in Hobart, where I'm based in Southern Tasmania, is they're not very bike friendly and stuff. So I feel like it's part of our role to um, be involved with um, the policy and engaging with the councils and the planning committees around this, because it's not just promoting it for the health and wellbeing of the staff and health professionals, but actually the community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. So, so that reminds me of, uh, you mentioned Nurses Drawdown and, and you heard that podcast, which is great. Is that something, because transportation is one of the five elements that, you know, we, we obviously agreed that nurses can, around the world can drive forward some significant change that helps to build resilient communities, healthier communities, turn down the heat of the planet. And we zeroed in on those five buckets, one of which was transportation, um, plant-forward diets, nature-based solutions, education of women and girls, and, and energy choices. Is that, um, did you find Nurses Drawdown to be tangible, something that could be tangible for nurses to work with? Or tell me, and you can just be honest, tell me what you thought about that. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, I don't know if it's an Australian trait, but I'm generally pretty honest and straight up <laughs> to the point. Um, but yeah, I was listening in and I could just, I, I feel like personally um, align with, with each theme and think of practical applications because I feel like I've been quite well considered around practical application to nurses because there's a lot of amazing theories and a lot of amazing research out there that I think as you touched on earlier with your research doesn't necessarily translate into practical engagement mm -hmm. um, or action how we would measure it in that sense so uh, yeah I think um, I'm, I'm looking to be more involved in that after listening to that and I was trying to um, touch base with my um, team this morning around you know how can we um, align with some of the resources and some of the practices and, and collaborate with, with the people involved in that to apply it for us here because I feel like it's a great global initiative. And again, you know, we don't need to reinvent the wheel if, if people have great ideas and are doing great things and let's share that. So we don't need to be in isolation. Yes, you betcha, especially because, you know, we, we're hoping that will be, that will have some global um engagement you know if we think about there in the u.s there are about four million nurses and globally i think it's close to 30 million nurses wow. and yeah and i've i heard recently that nurses are 59 percent of healthcare structure uh, infrastructure around the world so yeah. you know our global reach is is incredible um hard, hard to hard to organize and pull us all together of course but just conversations yeah. like this i think help help you know raise awareness build bridges um, help me understand your world and vice versa and that sort of thing. Yeah, totally. And I think just to build on that is, you know, we have the numbers. You know, we totally have the numbers. And I think we've got to align and harness the energy. You know, we've got to demand a seat at the table. Like if there's any policy discussion around environmental or health impacts, and I'd argue that they're the same um, and they totally correlate, um, we need to be advocating to have a seat there on that table because, um, if, we're, if nurses aren't advocating um, for our communities and educating ourselves and our communities, then who will? 
you know, that's part of our role to role model that and to lead for change. I fully believe that. Um, so I think, you know, we need to keep moving forward. And, you know, I don't have uh, a PhD. I don't have advanced academic study. I have a lot of personal um, interest and study, but I can make change. And I think that's something for every nurse to associate with that it doesn't matter if you're a first year student or a nurse of 40 years, you can make changes, you can get involved, you can do little things, you can educate others. And I think, you know, we need to lead the change that we want to see. Mm-hmm. Here, here. So do you find that that's a frequent um, feeling that's shared by other nurses that you work with? In, in regards to, sorry? Uh, feeling empowered to make, not only empowered, but almost professionally called to make these changes that um, will help uh, prevent suffering or create better opportunities for health, um, and especially, as you say, a seat at the table. So to have the voice of nursing presence. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's continually recognized that we are one of the more trusted and respected professions. And I think... We do need to empower our, I think all nurses, but especially especially newer and younger nurses, that to have the confidence and that belief that it is their role and that they can make change. Um, you know, you don't necessarily need to have specialised backgrounds um, in particular fields of study or even work or employment. Um, if you're within the profession, if you're in the community, if you're human, you can be involved in initiatives that should align with your values. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think... I think we've still got a way to go. I feel like as a profession here in Australia, we are moving forward really quickly. And we're still, I think the work the Australian College of Nursing is doing is fantastic. We've got an amazing leadership team there that's doing a lot of work with our Federal Minister for Health and really advocating for the nurses within the country, but then also the secondary work for the communities. Um, We do have a a few policy um, chapters and we have an emissions reduction um, chapter that I'm involved in, and so that's looking at um, formalising our recommendations on behalf of nurses and the health workforce at that level. Because, as you said, I think um, we have about 300,000 nurses in Australia out of our 23, 24 million population, um, which is a reasonable percentage. That holds weight. You know, we if we can align and use that, mm-hmm. um, we can make the change that we want to see. So when you say that you're weigh, weighing in or, or submitting policy recommendations for emissions reduction, do you mean um, in cities, in transportation, in food and agriculture, in supply chain? How? Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, so I suppose it's a bit of a work in progress with the current chapter that we're working on. We're sort of in the literature review stages now to look at how we're going to direct that and whether we focus on a couple of those particular themes we mentioned or all of them. Because I think a lot of the research and evidence is quite clear and quite out there and readily available, how well accessed that is by the current political members and policy makers uh, without sort of vested interests from from other um, fossil fuel companies and other sort of um, collective industries. Um, yeah, so I suppose it's if we can align and justify our policies and sort of demonstrate maybe how they might differ from current policies, mm-hmm. then then I think that's what we're working on at the moment. Great. That sounds um, – it sounds like you have a, 
potentially a powerful place at the table. You know, uh, I'm not, I think in the U.S., nurses have um, a lot of opportunity, especially, you know, at our big organizational levels and um, some nurses who are elected to reasonably high office. But but I often think, oh, nowhere near the, the power that nurses actually have in their day-to-day -day lives because mm -hmm. it's something like one out of every hundred Americans, and that might mm -hmm. be similar to, to your numbers there. But, you know, everybody knows nurses. Everybody relies on nurses. And, um, mm -hmm. yeah, it just, it, I, you know, I, I tend to think a lot of nurses think, um, I can't say how they think, but they're much more comfortable working with specific health issues with specific individuals than thinking about system change, mm -hmm. policy, politics, um, looking into, you know, uh, the complexity of something like planetary health. And yet at the same time, it's like, it's, it's almost second nature to nurses. It seems so, so you don't have to convince nurses that of course, clean air versus dirty air is going to make a big difference. You don't have to convince nurses that, yeah, if we continue to heat up the planet, it's going to cause problems for not only us, but all that come after us. So it's kind of a little bit of a juxtaposition there, and it comes back to your statement, I think, about a lot of awareness and angst, but but more difficult to get the to to find action, and it may be because it's just so hard to know what to do. But you know that's why we're here, right, Jacob? Totally, and I I think you absolutely nailed it in that, you know, being with my emergency background, it's see problem, fix problem, mm -hmm. you know, and. There isn't necessarily easy answers to a complex situation that we're all faced with when we talk about planetary health, and it is complex with social, cultural, political factors. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it's it's maybe not knowing, you know, if people want to get involved um, politically, um, how to go about that. And it might just be actually joining your college, joining your local organisation, having a voice, being involved in policy change, being involved in practices, and role modelling that, and building that momentum, because. Yeah, it is. It is like politics is complex, and I'm again ignorant of the American system. Um, but over here, it's oh, I I won't find the adjectives that I probably prefer to use. Um, but it it is complex, and it is um, manipulated by industry. And you know, we have um, our our great outback that we that you're aware of. We have all this potential for solar, for wind, for hydro, these renewable sources. And I feel like Personally, that's something that I'm very passionate about um, promoting. But even as nurses, we can recognise that the evidence and science, you know, supports these industries moving away from gas and coal, which we're still quite heavily reliant on for our economy. And so, a lot of the a lot of the um, social media commentary in the latter months has been, you know, what are our economic options moving forward post COVID response? Because we've taken a fair hit, as as everyone in the world has, mm -hmm. and really using this momentum to, to actually advocate for sustainable approaches. So, you know, as a collective, as an individual, but as a collective profession, we might have minimal impacts in emissions from our day-to-day -day lives and our changes at home, even though I fully support those. But as a collective, if we can say, let's target our energy emissions, which is, say, 40% overall, rather than the 7% that the healthcare industry is, that's a bigger percentage that we'll get a larger win on. So even though we're tackling our healthcare emissions, let's let's also target our transport and our energy ones and really get involved with those as well. You bet. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I have I have a question I often ask people, and um, I'm going to ask you two questions. They're the opposite. And the first <laughs> is what if, when you're you know I'm not going to say on a dark day, but sometimes when you really are facing your your own fears about this or concerns, what is it that concerns you the most, or something that concerns you a lot? And then on the other hand, is there something that you're particularly optimistic about with with our with this situation we're faced with? I suppose uh, on the dark days, I suppose, uh, uh, quite limited because I just go and cuddle my little man and see him smile and that sort of gives <laughs> me perspective. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's certain frustrations when you see, you know, political decisions made that you don't agree with that are going to negatively impact what you value and what you're striving for. It is, I think, frustrating is a fair word. Um, and I think coming back to what I said before is I get renewed hope, motivation and inspiration from, you know, things like listening to the, the um, Annie podcast and chatting with my amazing colleagues and sharing their energy and their values and, you know, going back outside and touching base with the nature that I love, going down to the beach, going for a surf. Um, you know, if, that, if people are passionate and value that, then that will always be inspiring and somewhere that is a comfort for you. And so I think when you go out there and share and share that, then that reignites your passion very quickly around wanting to protect that and wanting your loved ones and future generations to be able to share that. Um, so I think um, optimistically going forward, yeah, I've seen the changes that as a profession, as a country we've made in, in just a few years. And so I've, I feel like personally myself, the knowledge that I've accumulated and the groups that I've been engaged in within the last 12 to 24 months has expanded my passions and my interests and my engagements. So, you know, I think personally um, and professionally, I'm looking um, to be more involved and do as much as I can, but also help try and um, rally the troops in a way, share share that passion with others and get more on board. That's great. And I, I imagine you're very effective at it because you're, you're infectiously enthused and very, you know, well-spoken and clear, clear-minded about it. Um, so another question, and, and we're, I've taken just about enough of your time, so I'll wrap up here pretty soon. But, you know, I, I agree with you about the connection to nature. My, my immediate experience with nature is really important. I live in a beautiful place also. And I, I don't know what to think about people who don't have that. Um, it doesn't mean they don't care about the future. They, they certainly do. Many, many climate activists are people who are very urban. You know, they, they live in the heart of New York City. Or, or in Calcutta or, or wherever. Um, but do you, what is your thought on that? Do you think that it's um, a necessary thing or is it just something that you have and I have and many people have, this, this deep relationship with the natural world? Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely don't think that it's necessary at all. I mean, your cities are on a different scale to, I mean, Hobart, my goodness, but um, <laughs> where I'm from. Uh, but no, we, we see a lot of passion and enthusiasm within Hobart, albeit that we're, we're very close and not far away from um, our national parks, beaches, from our city, I suppose. Is, we're quite fortunate with that. Um, but yeah, it comes back to um, you don't need to be an environmentalist to be passionate about your health or the health of your loved ones, you know, in the sense that you may not care about your health, but you might care about the environment, you know. So you don't necessarily, I think, have to have this appreciation for the natural world which is something that I wouldn't comprehend personally um, but 
I think, break it down to a human level. And if you value your health or the health of your loved ones or future generations or the health of the planet, um, then that's what's important. And I feel like nature will thank you for a result of that because it'll be more protected, but you don't necessarily need to appreciate it as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that interesting. Make, that makes sense? Yeah, it does. It's it, it's always just a little bit of a question for me, but I think that's right because we, we don't all see the world the same way. Mm. But it, it, like Some ahead. of our policymakers and politicians might live in the big cities and the big mansions and um, not necessarily in rural environments near forests or trees or beautiful lakes or beaches that are making these decisions. So they're actually even physically distanced. They might have grown up in these beautiful areas, moved away to the, you know, the parliaments and things that they're involved in, and they might actually forget. Mm-hmm. And they might, they might have that you know, physical separation and then that emotional separation as well that might impact some of their decision-making. So, you know, that, that might be another factor. Right. And it reminds me of something you said early on regarding COVID that um, I won't have exactly what you said, but it was along the lines of perhaps during this period where we're seeing right in front of us um, the fear and the suffering and the illness and death and also, you know, this radical change in our lives, that one oppor- one possibility is that people appreciate more that we need to help each other, that we need to be in community with each other. And, um, you know, that's, that's, re- that's very similar to, you know, how you were just describing our need to be um, engaged in creating a healthy uh, planet and a healthy future. So does that, am, am I, am I um, sort of re- reflecting your thoughts uh, accurately there? Uh, yeah, spot on. Yeah, completely agree with that. Um, you know, in that it's that sense of responsibility. You know, it might be that with, with our current situation, as you said, with the statistics, you know, there's a lot of people directly affected but more so indirectly affected. Mm-hmm. And that might be, that might absolutely ring true for climate change, you know, and environmental health going forwards in regards to people don't necessarily make the link, I think, with how they're personally um, directly and indirectly affected. So it might not be them, but someone that they love or their community or their country that's on fire with bushfires or droughts or floods that then impacts the economy, that then impacts their financial situation. So there's so many layers to this, but hopefully from our global experiences that we do have this renewed sense of community and looking out for each other. Um, and also the impact that behavioural change can make, you know, second waves and third waves you know when we get to these things will be completely influenced by behavior and i know in the states that you guys are having a lot of mixed feelings about that and different differences in opinions with prioritizing i don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole of us <laughs> political system but um you know like what are we valuing you know the economy over health and lives and, and what price do you put on that and i think it, it's the same with with climate change you know what price are we putting on on our future generations' lives if we don't act now because we need to live with the decisions and the choices that we make today. Hear, hear. Well Mm. said. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jacob, it's just been a pleasure to talk with you and I uh, would love to explore more someday. Um, For now, is there anything else that you'd like to say to the listeners? Um, Well, thank you for tuning in and staying staying with us this long if you're still here. I'm very excited about the potential um, for uh, myself and, and 
I don't want to say fellow Australians, but some of our organisations over here to collaborate in a better way with Annie and, and similar organisations because it is a global fight that we're in together. And so the more that we can align, uh, I think the more beneficial and the more momentum that we'll gather. Um, I think um, stay optimistic, team. Um, have hope. Find others that share your values and your passions because there's so many groups and so many individuals out there that are looking that are just looking for someone to give them that opportunity, looking for the carrot at the end of the stick. So, um, yeah, I think we can really, as a profession, lead for global change. So thank you and good luck. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Jacob. Love your work. Thanks, Beth. Thank you so much to Jacob Roberts for joining me today. This was a fun conversation, and hearing Jacob's optimism and energy and commitment to the future was inspiring. It is great to connect with nurses around the world as we understand the changes in our climate from different experiences and perspectives. Thank you again to Jacob, and thank you all for listening today. This and other episodes of the Nurses for Healthy Environments podcast can be found at envirn.org. Please leave a review for us wherever you get your podcasts, and talk to you next time. <music>